Go take your seats. Don't you love this time of year? No one really knows what they're doing in between Christmas Day sort of afternoon and then New Year's Day. No one really knows what to go on. You know, are we at work? Are we sleeping? Are we eating? It's normally a bit of both. You know, you sort of graze through your sleep and there's always a bit more cheese to eat. But it's the key time for films because starting the new year, um, there's the Oscars and all sorts of film awards. Um, so lots of people release their films at this time of year. And has anyone been to the cinema recently? There's lots of good things going on. What have you seen? Has anyone seen Paddington? Anyone seen Paddington 2? Star Wars. That's the one it's about, isn't it? Pitch Perfect. Has anyone seen The Greatest Showman yet? I want to go and see that. Apparently it's good. Same writers as La La Land, but, you know, we'll leave that there. So I'm really excited, but I went to see Star Wars the other day, and I absolutely love Star Wars. You know, the bata- battle between good and evil, they're that person, oh, are they going to go bad? Are they going to go good? I won't spoil it. Um, but it is absolutely great. But, you know, when you watch a film, they all have the same three characters, don't they? Every film has the same characters. There's always the protagonist, the hero, the main guy, what the, or guile, what the film is all about. That is the, the protagonist, the champion, the main or lead character. But then there's always the antagonist, isn't there? That's the enemy, that's the, um, you know, the adversary, the person who's directly opposing normally the main, main character or wants to take over the world. There's always the antagonist. And there's what I call the agonist, just the, the side character. Though there's normally lots of them in the film. They're just not integral to the plot, but they exist and they have little roles here and there. There's the main character, there's the main baddie, and then there's lots of side characters that don't have a key role. Let's show this with a few films. Those of you who know me know I love James Bond. So Goldfinger, key main character is James Bond, okay? The baddie is Goldfinger. And then there's side characters like Money Penny and Felix Leiter. What about Lion King? You guys all know that. Who's the main character of the Lion King? Simba. It's all about Simba, isn't it? And who's the uh, antagonist? The baddie, Scar. And then there's side characters such as Pumba and Zazu and all sorts of crazy things who exist, but they, they're not integral to the plot. And today we're going to look at the two times that Israel went to cross the River Jordan into the Promised Land. One time they did, and they went on to inherit the Promised Land that was promised back to Abraham. But the first time, they didn't. They sent some spies in, and they were too afraid, and God said, no, you're going to walk in the wilderness. And I believe the reason that one time they did cross into the Promised Land, and the one time they didn't, was because how they treated the main character of the story. I believe that who they set as the protagonist, the hero, the lead character, who, how they talked about the baddies, the enemies, and who they made the side character directly impacted why they went to, into the promised land or why they didn't. We're going to read a lot of the Bible today. I hope that's okay with you. You are in church after all. So please turn to um, Numbers 13. And while you're finding that, I'm just going to give you a bit of backstory. So this is, um, they're about to cross into the promised land that was promised many years ago. You know, Moses led them out of Egypt where they were slaves and was leading them just across the Jordan into the promised land. And just before Numbers 13, they'd sent some spies out to check out the land. And the spies were in the land for 40 days. And they came back with mixed reviews. Joshua and Caleb came back saying, it's good to go. Let's roll. 
And then the rest came back saying, everything's a bit too scary. And we're going to read from then onwards. So turn to Numbers 13, and we're going to read from verses 25 and into a bit of 14. So it says, oh, while I read this, see if you can spot who is the protagonist, who is the antagonist, and who is the side character from what is said. See if you can spot the characters. Numbers 13, 26. The spies came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. Their cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites live in the, and the Jebusites and the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take the possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land which they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living it. All the people we saw there of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All of the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us here to this land, only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will take as a plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. So this is the first account. This is when they didn't cross into the promised land. And as we read that, it's quite clear who they made the main characters out to be. They were the main character. They were saying, we can't do this. We can't do that. It's about us. They talked about the enemies in such detail. They were portraying the enemies to be absolutely vast, and they said, we have no chance. Do you notice they mentioned God once? And that was just to complain and say, why did the Lord take us here? See, the reason God didn't allow them into the promised land, the reason they went on to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, was because they said, we're the protagonist. We're the main character of this story. It's about us. The enemies are great, and we're not going to defeat them, and God can do his thing. They made themselves the main character. So God said, actually, you're not going to enter the promised land. All this generation will die before you come in. And they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. See, who we make the main character is key on how we see the world and how we respond to that which is before us. Turn now to Joshua 3. Joshua chapter 3. I told you we were reading the Bible today. I hope you're okay with this. This is where they do cross into the promised land. So similarly... They had sent spies out, and this, Joshua 3, is when they cross. Again, when you're reading this, try and identify who is the main character here, who is the side character, and how do they speak about the enemies. Joshua chapter 3. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you'll know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. 
Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things amongst you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I'll begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you'll know that the living God is amongst you and that he'll certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp across the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and the feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground, whilst all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. This time it's different, isn't it? This time it's all about following God. It's about doing it his way. It's about obeying his instructions. You know, there's hardly a mention of the enemies. It just says, you'll drive them out. And the Israelites are only referred to in relation to instruction from God. Here, they crossed into the promised land, finally, after all these years, because they learnt that God is the main character. They said God is the protagonist. The enemies are small compared to him, and we have the privilege of just being a side character. See, the point I want you to take away today, I want you to take it into 2018, and I want you to remember it through the whole year, if you can. One point. Make God the protagonist. Make God the main character, the hero, the champion of the year to come, the champion of this life. Notice I didn't say your life or your year. You see, this is God's life, and it's God's year we're walking into. You know, we were slaves to sin, but God bought us from that through Jesus and bought us into freedom. So we are now his. This is his life. This is his year. And it's him who is the main character. So this year, let's stop calling it my life. This is God's life. God is the protagonist. And we have the privilege of being the side character. We can't be the hero. But we kind of love to be the hero, don't you? I don't know about you, but when I watch a film, you know, I'll go into the cinema, eat my popcorn, and then as soon as the credits are rolling up, I'll be thinking about the film. And suddenly I'll realize, oh, the main character I've got a few of those traits. And then we stand up in a different way. Guys, I'm sure you agree with me. We stand up in a different way. And we leave the cinema in a different way. We're sort of like, yeah, I got this. Iron Man, yeah, I'm Iron Man. And we, we go about, and we, we leave the cinema in a different way. We think, yeah, I could be the hero of this story. I, I went to watch a film a few, um, few years ago. Um, and I, I walked someone home afterwards. I think it was like um, 
Avengers or something. And you know how in, in, in real life, we sort of just run like this, we trot like this. But in films, they run like this, you know, their arms are really going. I decided it'd be a good idea, because I was feeling a bit heroic, to run all the way home. Just, you know, in my usual gear. But I was running like a film character, barging through people as like, I'm getting home. And we do this, we pretend to be the hero. And now you're all laughing, but you all do the same. You all at least think the same. And I know it doesn't die down when you get older, because this year when we went to go to see Star Wars, we were sat in the car waiting because my dad had left his phone in the cinema. And he came running towards the car. And I said, what do you bet that dad's pretending to be a Jedi right now? Sure enough, he got into the car and he was swerving around the car park like, meow, meow, pretend to be an X-Wing. It doesn't die down, I know, when you get older. We all love to pretend to be the hero. We all want to be the main character, but we can't be the main character. You see, we're flawed and we get it wrong. We're broken, but God is perfect. We're good at being the side character. God is good at being the main character. You see, if we are the main character in our life, in our relationships, in our workplace, then actually our imperfections, our flaws, our weaknesses, jealousy, lust, anger, and all these fears will pull it apart. Because we can't be the main character. But God is perfect. God is forgiving and loving. God is pure. And he could be the source and sustainer if we allow him to be. If we try and be the hero, we'll always be disappointed with ourselves. How many of you live in fear that you'll be found out to be a fraud? How many of you live under a burden to be the perfect man or woman? But the pressure's off. It's not about you. You're not the main character that everyone's relying on. That's Jesus. See, Matthew 11. Um, in Matthew 11, Jesus addresses um, some people who've been living under the burden of thousands and thousands of laws and ways of living that the Pharisees had added to. And those these laws and requirements were set out to be good, they were impossible to fulfill and became a burden and a hindrance rather than bringing life. And we do the same today. We create laws, ideas, and beliefs, unwritten rules and things, that though they have good intention, they're nothing but a burden. You know, we say that we need to be the hero. We need to do this, that, and the other to fill our role as the main character. But Jesus just says, come to me. Come to me, because I'm the hero. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says this because he can take the role of being the main character. As a guy who struggles to put his bins on the right day, this is such a help. I can't be the hero. You see, for years, I believe I had to be something. I had to create something and change the world before I earned God's love. But I believed I had to be Jesus. But luckily, Jesus is Jesus. He can be the main character. And we had the privilege of being alongside. And he looks at you. He looks at me and he says, come to me. And he will take it. So briefly, before we finish, I want to see how do we make God the main character of our lives. So let's see how the Israelites did it the second time, because that was the right way. In Joshua 3, uh, verses 3 to 4, they followed the Lord of God. It said, When you see the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord your God, and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to remove out of your positions and follow it. Then you'll know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. 
See, God will guide us when we don't know the way. Often we want all the details and the facts. Often we want, you know, what will happen in the next five years? What will happen in 10 years? How is my retirement plan going to be? But often Jesus just says, follow me. If Jesus gave all the details to Simon Peter when he um, was recruiting him to be a disciple, I don't know what Peter might have said. But Jesus said, follow me. You're on the best adventure and change the world because of it. We are to follow God exactly. If the Levites, who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, dipped their toes in a day earlier, the water wouldn't have stopped. If they'd found a section of the river that was a bit narrower, they think, actually, I could probably jump this bit. That's a bit safer. Then the water wouldn't have stopped. In the, even if God says, cross here, and it looks like the river's raging, it's bursting its banks, if God says so, it'll happen. Following God means doing his work his way. And you think, you know, we, we might think there's a better part of the river to cross in our lives. We might, something might look easier than what God's saying. But if God says don't cross there, then don't do it. Follow him because he's the main character. You know, what do we know that God doesn't? I love cooking. I love baking, but I'm terrible at it. And those of you who've heard this story, please humor me. But I, um, a few years ago, my parents came and I th- around for dinner, and I thought, I'll make them a cake. Because um, mum's made cakes for me all my life, I may as well try and make one back. And I'd recently had a Guinness cake um, from a, a shop. So I thought, I'll make a Guinness cake, you know, nice and stodgy. It'd be great. So I bought all the ingredients, and as I was making it, um, oh, those of you who are bakers will know this. Cooking, you can throw anything in, and it'll taste all right. But baking, precise ingredients, or it goes wrong. So I was making this cake. And I came to it, and it said 200 milliliters of Guinness. And 200 milliliters? I'm like, what's wrong with the pint? So I thought, a pint will be better, you know? It's three times the much, more Guinness, more cake, more winning. Um, so I poured a pint of Guinness in, cracked it in the oven, and then uh, about 20 minutes later, Bex, my wife, ran upstairs, and she said, come down. So I came downstairs, and there was black tar flowing out of the oven, down the cupboard. We're still cleaning it away. This black tar went everywhere. If the recipe says 200 milliliters Guinness, put that in. Not, not a pint. If God says cross the river here, cross there. If God says do this in 2018, do that. This is the way we walk. What do we know that God doesn't? Secondly, the Israelites purified themselves. Joshua 3.5 says, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things amongst you. The Israelites had to separate themselves from anything unclean, anything that would bar them coming into God's presence. This is almost a throwback to Exodus 19, when the Lord gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. The people had to prepare for God to move by washing and abstaining from certain things. And it got me thinking, you know, as a Christian, how am I, how are we preparing for God to move? If they had to purify themselves to prepare for God to move, how are we doing the same? You know, we are to live pure lives devoted to God. You know, we can only be clean by his grace and his mercy, but yet we daily need to refrain. We daily need to choose to not follow our sinful nature and follow the Spirit. We are to live lives set apart for his glory. Every second of every minute 
of every hour of every day, we're to give everything to him. Surely a life of such focus, a life of devotion, takes us out of the main character role and sets Jesus firmly there. Into the new year, Mark's mentioned that we're going to do some praying and fasting and seeking God in that. And the whole essence of fasting is taking away what we think we need and we're saying, God, you can fill this. And as we do that, we're going to be setting God as the main character in our church, in our lives, in our relationships. This is how we do it. Finally, you'll notice that through the whole of Joshua 3, there was lots of talk about God. You know, where your devotion or where lots of attention is, where all your mind and your energy and resources go, your heart will be also. The first time, their attention was on themselves. Their attention was on their enemies, and they didn't cross. But the second time, they focused on God, and everything grew dim. You know, when you look at a light, as you stare into a light, everything else fades away. You get a bit dazzled, but everything else fades away. And it's the same thing. If we're looking at Jesus everything else will become less. Now, don't stare into a light. I don't want to be having like law cases for blindness. But that's the same thing. But also, have you noticed when you step away and you look into a dark room, at first it seems pitch black, but it gradually gets brighter and brighter as your eyes open and you, you take in more light. And it's the same thing applies. As we look away from God and we look towards the darkness of the world, often what seemed, seemed dark can become brighter and how deep that darkness really is. So the the Israelites talked about God more. They set him as the priority, which he is. And they viewed life, its joys, its challenges, in the light of God and not other enemies. The only way to make God the protagonist, the main character of this story, is through faith. Why are all the faith giants in Hebrews 11 there? How did they have faith? They did it, and they looked at God by saying, you are the main character. Your will and your way be done. Think about it. Even Samson got around to that right at the end. And that's how we are to do this. Joshua crossed the Jordan because the Israelites, after walking 40 years in the desert, learned that God was the lead character. And once they crossed the Jordan, they took a stone and built a monument to honor God, to remember what God had done that day. They set things in place to endure um, to ensure that they remembered that God was the main character of all of this. In Joshua 4, it says, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when it dried up before us until he had crossed over. He did this so that all the people of earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. And so that you might always fear the Lord your God. And today we're going to ask you to do the same. If you guys could get the door in, what we're going to do is we're going to do exactly the same as the Israelites did that day when they crossed the Jordan. We're going to start the year. We're going to start 2018 by making God the main character. We're going to invite you to come forward in a minute and wash your hands as a symbol of purifying yourself before God. Maybe before you come out, you want to spend some time in prayer and give everything to God. Maybe just confess some things. Then come in and wash your hands. And then we're going to invite you to step through the door, like the crossing of the Jordan, and say, I'm crossing into this year, making you the main character, God. 
And then we're going to invite you to pick up a stone, small pebble that you can put in your pocket. And so that later on in the year, when you've forgotten this sermon, you can remember God's the main character, not me. See, I'm no real prophet, but this year, there's going to be joy for some of us. There's also going to be sorrow. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be delight. And I know that I can't face it all as the hero of the story. That role has to be given to God. You can't handle it, and I can't handle it. So the guys at the back are going to put some music on now. And I want to invite everyone, where's your team, media team, guys sitting at the back, everyone to come forward, wash your hands, walk through the door, and pick up a stone. I'm just going to pray, then we'll start that. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a sovereign God, that we don't go into 2018 alone, that you go before us. And I thank you, Lord, that you've taken the role of the main character, that we have the privilege of being on the side with you. And I pray, Lord, that as we go into 2018, we'll firmly set you as the hero of the story. Your will be done. Amen. I want to invite you just to come forward now.